You're listening to Witch Wednesdays, your weekly podcast source for all things witchcraft in the modern world. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. I'm Steph, and you are listening to this year's Maybon episode, which is, I think, going to be episode number 143. So we are definitely getting up there in number. I'm already losing count. I'm sure I'm going to lose count in the future, but I'm going with 143 for this one. It is the third Maybon episode available on the podcast. There has been one each year talking about slightly different things. And this year, if you are listening to this episode on the day that it comes out, then you are going to be celebrating tomorrow. Maybon falls on September 22nd this year in the Northern Hemisphere. It varies between September 21st and the 24th each year. I find that it usually falls on the 22nd or 23rd, but it lines up with the day of the autumnal equinox. So that is why it changes. And the equinox is, of course, the day when day and night are equal in length, which mirrors the spring equinox, which is when we celebrate Bastara. So if you are in the southern hemisphere, then you are celebrating Ostara at this time. Mabon also marks the beginning of Libra season. And of course, the Libra symbol is the scales. So Again, all about balance, equality, and harmony this time of year. It is known as the pagan Thanksgiving. So in ancient times, Mabon was a celebration of the second harvest. We see Lamas as the first and Samhain as the third and final one. So Mabon falls right in the middle. And I say ancient times and ancient celebration because it was in fact celebrated and recognized at that time. It's you know, obviously debated where this exact holiday came from and where the name came from because the name was not coined until the 1970s when it began to be celebrated by modern pagans, especially Wiccans, as one of the eight Sabbaths in the Wheel of the Year. But it wasn't originally called Mabon or celebrated as Mabon as related to the god that it was named after in the 1970s. So some people debate whether this was actually an ancient holiday or just a pagan reconstruction. So some people don't celebrate it. But of course, we know that ancient peoples really did celebrate the spring equinox and the autumnal equinox. There are various landmarks that suggest that they recognize that the day and night were exactly equal length. So it is an important holiday and has been celebrated throughout the world for many, many years. So even though there is debate over this name and exactly where it came from, the equinox itself is absolutely an ancient holiday. But before we get into all of the Maybon history and ways to celebrate, I'm going to run through the correspondences really quickly. We have previous episodes that go more into detail in this. So just giving you the overview. The animals associated with Maybon are the stag, fox, wolf, owl, crow or raven, and squirrels. The colors are orange, yellow, red, and brown. The crystals are peridot, citrine, amber, which are all those, you know, sort of greens and yellows, browns related to the season, but also sapphire and lapis lazuli. The deities are Mabon, the green man, Thor, and Serenos. 
The food and drinks are berries, nuts, corn and cornbread, breads in general, squash, pumpkin, apples, pomegranates, wine, ale, and cider. The herbs are rosemary, sage, cinnamon, rue, yarrow, bay, and tobacco. And the spell work associated with time of year is of balance, of course, but also home protection and prosperity. As a second harvest festival, Maybon is all about the gratitude for what we you know, reaped during this year, and hopefully it was an abundant season for the crops, but it is also looking ahead towards the hardships of winter and understanding that those crops will need to be preserved and last for the next few months. So recognizing that fact and that idea of celebration, it's easy to see the you know many cultures that celebrate some sort of harvest festival at this time. There is, of course, Oktoberfest in Germany. That is a very popular, well-known one. I've mentioned on this podcast before that American Thanksgiving was originally celebrated on October 3rd, which is much closer to actual harvest season. There is also the Mid-Autumn Festival in China that is celebrated on the 15th day of the 8th lunar month. So that usually in that calendar falls near the day of the autumnal equinox. It's an official holiday in uh, China, Hong Kong, Taiwan, and a lot of other countries that have significant Chinese population. Similarly, Autumnal Equinox Day is a public holiday in Japan, and Chuseok is the major harvest festival in Korea. There's also an Iranian festival known as Meiragan that is celebrated at this time to honor the divinity Mithra, which we talked about in last year's Yule episode as possibly being a precursor to the Roman god that was celebrated at this time and the precursor to why the birth of Jesus is celebrated as December 25th. So if you're interested in that history, that is in the Yule episode, but they also honor their sun divinity at this time. Given all of those different celebrations throughout different cultures throughout the world, it makes sense that there are also sites throughout the world that have been built and have withstood the test of time that suggest that ancient peoples were also recognizing the tracking of the sun and how it fell on this day and the spring equinox. So I'm going to run through a few of those. First up is Angkor Wat in Cambodia. That is one of the more famous ones. And that was built in the early 12th century to interact with the various astronomical events throughout the year, which includes the equinoxes and the solstices. So the sunrises during the equinoxes, both of them, but particularly we're talking about the autumnal equinox, uh, the sunrises perfectly align to the central and tallest tower in the complex. At the other end of the day at sunset, there is Chichen Itza in Mexico. That is probably one of the most famous Mayan ruins. There I have the El Castillo Pyramid, and that is an ode to Kukalkan, their serpent deity, and was built in 1000 CE. So at sunset on the autumnal or the spring equinox, the light shines perfectly in the shape of a serpent to snake down the pyramid steps to reach 
the carved head of Kukulkan. There's also Chanquilo in Peru. At the top of the hill, there are 13 towers in a perfect line, and archaeologists originally thought that it was some sort of fort, but recently discovered that the structures were actually built as a place of worship of some sort, because the sun on the solstices and equinoxes perfectly aligns with various corresponding towers. Likewise, there are the Nanjudra temples in Malta that are three structures believed to have been built around 3600 BCE. And there's very little known about them, but researchers believe that it has something to do with this astrology because the light only enters the deepest chamber during the solstices and equinoxes. There is, of course, Machu Picchu in Peru, and that is an archaeological site that is on top of a mountain that overlooks the Urumbamba Valley, and there is a giant stone at the top of this mountain called Intihuatana, which means the place when the sun gets tied. So that stone is perfectly positioned so that each corner sits at the four cardinal directions, north, south, east, and west, and usually this stone will cast a shadow throughout the day, of course, as you know, any stone or, or building would, but exact at exactly noon on the spring or autumnal equinox, that shadow completely disappears. So of course, for thousands of years, that stone is a precise indicator of the date of both equinoxes. Another popular and well-known location is, of course, the Great Sphinx and Pyramid of Khafre in Egypt. And here, if you stand directly in front of the Sphinx, facing the Sphinx, at sunset on the either equinox. When the sun nears the horizon, you will see it settle onto the Sphinx's right shoulder. And at that same angle, it also sits on the southern corner of the Pyramid of Khafre, which is the one right behind the Sphinx. There's also a cairn in North Ireland, which is sort of a, you know, according to the dictionary, a mound of rough stones that is built as a landmark that dates back nearly 5,000 years and has some ancient carvings that are illuminated exactly during the equinox sunrises. They were discovered only about 40 years ago, and it's actually rarely seen because of the bad weather in Ireland around March and September. And circling back to the United States, there is Chaco Canyon in New Mexico, which is on the border of Utah and Colorado. There are a few structures in there that reveal sort of the sun's movements. And the most popular is Fajada Butte, where there is a series of carvings that produce a perfectly positioned dagger of light during the equinoxes and the solstices. And a particularly interesting one for me is Cahokia Windhedge, because that is in Illinois. It's in Collinsville, Illinois. And that is a series of wood circles that are thought to have been constructed between 900 and 1100 CE and was discovered in the 1960s. And it is thought to be a solar calendar that will mark the equinoxes and solstice sunrises and sunsets. It is believed that the Native Americans who lived there were part of a sun-worshipping tribe governed by a ruler called the Great Sun. There are a few deities associated with this time of year that I wanted to mention just in case you want to incorporate any deity work into your practice and your celebration of the autumn festival. The first is, of course, 
the deity that the holiday is named after. I touched on in the beginning. And that is Meban Ap Modron. This is a hero from Welsh mythology, and that is where the name Meban came from and was coined by Aidan Kelly in the 1970s, who was an influential member of a few occultist sects and started uh, a few of his own, started Coven. So I will link um, over at whichwednesdays.com in the show notes. I'm going to link to the Wikipedia page for Aidan Kelly so you can get an idea of his history and the things that he added to witchcraft and also the Wikipedia page for Mabon Op Modron because the story is interesting and boiled down. The legend states that when he was three nights old, he was kidnapped from his mother, Modron, his great mother. So his name means great son or son of great mother, who was the earth earth goddess. (laughs) And this caused light to hide. Eventually he was rescued by King Arthur. So there is a whole long story about that. That's really fun and interesting. However, I am going to mispronounce every single Scottish Gaelic word that um, is in there. So I am just going to go ahead and link that Wikipedia page so you can read that if you are interested in that, you know, full story. Meban is considered the god of light and associated with the hunter and hunting season. So it does make sense you know, especially from Aiden Kelly's point of view in the 1970s, sort of making this Wiccan wheel of the year, why this particular Celtic god would be associated with this time of year. But like I mentioned in the beginning, it's not the way that it was celebrated in ancient times. It was a harvest festival, but not necessarily one dedicated to this deity or called this deity's name. But his story obviously mirrors the story of Persephone and Demeter in the Greek mythology. So in the same way that Mabon was abducted from his mother, Persephone was abducted by Hades, the god of the underworld. He took her to be his queen with the approval of Zeus, so she was not allowed to return until her mother, Demeter, prevented all of the plants from growing and caused a big famine. So then Zeus demanded that Hades had to let her go. But Persephone had consumed some of the pomegranate seeds while in the underworld. And since she ate food from Hades' realm, she therefore could not leave. So they settled by decreeing that Persephone would spend half the time in the underworld being the wife of Hades and the rest of the year above the world with her mother and that is where we get the change of seasons from that Demeter is so sad without her daughter that she causes everything to die in the fall and winter and then when Persephone is allowed to come back in the spring everything starts growing again so Persephone is at the same time the princess of spring and the queen of the underworld there is a lot surrounding this story and different interpretations. But I think Persephone is a really interesting goddess in her own right. So absolutely, if you are into Greek mythology, working with Persephone at this time of year is perfect. 
And obviously it's also why pomegranates are associated with that this time of year, not just because it is their harvest season, but because it is said that Persephone ate six pomegranate seeds, so therefore spends six months in the underworld and six months in the regular realm. And one other goddess associated with this time of year that I specifically wanted to touch on is Chang'e. And I mentioned earlier that the Chinese celebrate the Mid-Autumn Festival, or Mid-Autumn Day, uh, also known as the Moon Festival. And this is dedicated to Chang'e. And I really like this goddess and wanted to talk about this story because I recently, I don't know, recently, earlier this year, <laughs> read the book... Daughter of the Moon Goddess by Su Lin Tan. And this is the first in a duology. I have not read the second one yet, but the first one is really interesting and it follows this goddess and this legend. So the legend originally states, and I'm going to link the website that this is from because I don't want to get anything wrong because I am not as familiar with Chinese culture and mythology. I just know this story from reading that book, which is a work of fiction, of course. So uh, once upon a time, there were 10 suns in the sky, scorching many crops and people to death. The emperor of heaven summoned Huyi to shoot down nine of the suns. He succeeded and the weather soon recovered and life was saved. He was rewarded with the elixir of immortality. But while he was still on earth, and not immortal, he met Chang'e, and they fell in love and were married. He, of course, wanted to spend his life with Chang'e forever, and so he petitioned to get the elixir of life for her as well, and the Western Queen Mother agreed to give it to him, enough for two people, and he returned home and told his wife. They decided to drink it together on the 15th day of the 8th lunar month, when the moon was round and bright. But there was a wicked man who overheard them and wanted the elixir for himself. So on that 15th day, before Hu Yi returned from hunting, this man went into his home and forced Chang Yi to give him the elixir. But she knew she couldn't defeat him and she had no other choice, so she drank the elixir all by herself. So when Hu Yi came back, he found that his wife had been lifted to heaven. She decided to live on the moon because it's closest to the earth. Hu Yi looked up at the moon and put the foods Chang Yi used to love in his garden as a sacrifice. Thus, people started admiring the moon on this day. Later, Chang Yi and Hu Yi came to re represent the yin and yang, respectively, the moon and the sun. So, again, I will have that linked to you. You can read that. And that is one version of the story. There are a couple of them. And the daughter of the moon goddess talks about that story specifically, but changes it a little bit in that she was pregnant at the time and had this daughter and so instead the two of them drank the elixir to make both of them immortal and she had to leave his husband behind and she was banished to the moon i am not giving anything away by telling you that in the story because that all happens within the first i don't know five pages um the it's told from the daughter's point of view explaining why they live on the moon and they are banished there and nobody else lives there so um, it is a really great book and I highly recommend reading it and I am looking forward to reading the second one. I have so many things on my to be read list so I haven't prioritized that yet but uh, I will because I really enjoyed that one. But that would be a great story to read this time of year and a great way to celebrate. I know my local library had it so I hope that yours does as well but it's a fun read. 
And finally, just a few ways to celebrate the holiday and the season, which is, of course, things that I love doing. And I'm not going to go over absolutely everything or in too much depth because that is something that we covered in both previous Maybon episodes. So there's lots of different ideas of ways to celebrate. And if you need any additional ideas or resources after listening to this episode, definitely check out both Patreon and the Discord server. The Discord server is free to join, always linked in my profile on Instagram or witchwednesdays.com, totally anonymous. There's over 800 witches in there from all over the world. Super helpful, lots of different ideas, ways to celebrate. There's a new, you know, chat about a topic every single week. So always talking about the different celebrations and stuff that are that's going on. So if you have any ideas, questions, want to get more ideas, that is a great place to go and hang out. And also over on Patreon, I offer recipes related to the Sabbath every month. I also offer spells, rituals. It's the easiest place to reach me if you have any particular questions or need help, you know, through a spell or ritual, particularly related to a Sabbath. So absolutely head over there. Patreon is also always linked on Instagram, witchwednesdays.com. Easy to find. It is five bucks a month and that is always charged on the first of the month. So you are free to join and leave and rejoin as you see fit. So I just wanted to throw those two things out there as great resources. So on to how to celebrate and how I am particularly going to be celebrating tomorrow and this weekend because Maybon is a season for me. There's like a few days that is, you know, fall related before October 1st. I am 100% Halloween. Like game is, game's over by then. We're not talking about fall and leaves and apples anymore. We are fully into Halloween season. I'm like halfway there already, but October 1st, I kick it into high gear. So Maybon is actually a really good one to celebrate if you are in the broom closet because it really is fall and Thanksgiving. Just those are the things that you are celebrating. So it's very easy to decorate your house this time of year and switch into that fall decor and not everyone needs to know that it is related to any particular pagan celebration. It just looks like you are celebrating the autumn season. And like I said, Maybon is considered the witches or pagan Thanksgiving. So it is all about gratitude. Making gratitude lists is a great way to celebrate this time of year as is having a feast. And it's an ideal time to get all of your friends together to have this sort of celebration feast because a lot of people have their own family and traditions and things that they need to attend to at the end of November and then into December. So if you likewise feel disconnected from your friends in those months, then now might be a great time to get ahead of the game and get together to have a little, you know, feast or bonfire before the craziness of the holidays sets in. If you do treat Samhain, which is the next Sabbath coming up at the end of October, as the witch's new year, then Maybon is sort of the tail end of the year. So it is a great time to wrap up all of your projects and things that are going on, sort of reap that harvest of everything that you have been working on and get ready for that new year energy. So finishing projects and decluttering 
I love a good declutter. I love organizing. So getting that all lined up to get ready for what is considered the Witch's New Year, this is the ideal time for that. And of course, I think the favorite thing to incorporate this time of year is apples. Since Mabon is all about preparing for winter and what is coming, the apple is sort of the perfect symbol of that because it is representative of regeneration and healing. And in general, it's a beloved witchcraft symbol because um, most of the time when we are eating apples and eating apple slices, we are chopping that vertically. But if you cut an apple horizontally straight through the middle, you can see the seeds on the inside make a pentagram shape, which is, of course, a beloved symbol in witchcraft. Uh, it symbolizes, depending on your tradition, earth, fire, water, air, and spirit. It can also represent the directions northeast, south, west, and um, within is, you know, within yourself is the fifth direction. And apples are associated with protection. And that is one of the things that is associated with Mabon. Not only the balance, but the protection of the home heading into this dark half of the year when the days are getting longer and we don't have as much access to fresh fruits and vegetables. And we are instead using all of the things that we have harvested. It's important to keep those harvests safe and likewise keep your home safe in the cold months. If you need ideas for that and for incorporating apple into those things, I focused heavily on that on Patreon in September. I have a home protection pouch. Um, I have home related correspondences. I have fire cider. I have um, a simmer pot for home protection and healing. And coming up on Monday, I have daily protection spell ideas. So all kinds of things related to apples and protections and home um, over on Patreon in the month of September. One thing I will personally be doing is making apple crisp because I think it's one of the easiest things to make. Um, I have mastered apple pie, but it took a while. So I think that apple crisp is a lot easier. You need apples, sugar, ground cinnamon, lemon juice, light brown sugar, old fashioned oats, flour, unsalted butter, and a little bit of salt. And that it comes together really quickly. So I am going to have that full recipe and all the ingredients in the show notes at witchwednesdays.com. So absolutely go check that out if you are interested in making apple crisp, but I think it is much easier, especially if you are a beginner in the kitchen than trying to make apple pie. But you kind of get the same end result, a delicious apple dessert. Like I said, I will be doing a simmer pot as well. I posted that on Instagram a couple weeks ago if you want to get an idea of what that is, but I have that on Patreon as well. Absolutely going to include cinnamon and apple, which are both great for home protection. But that is everything that I have for this week's Maybon episode. If you have any ideas how to celebrate what you're going to get up to this weekend, I would love to hear it. Let me know uh, over on the Discord server or if you are taking pictures of your fun celebrations, then definitely tag me over on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast, all one word. That is everything that I have for this week. I will see you next week. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the 
must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Need even more? Subscribe to Patreon and YouTube for exclusive bonus content. Order a themed witchcraft box every month through Witch Wednesdays on Etsy. Be sure to follow on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast. Find all these links and more at witchwednesdays.com.